Tin Ryland Brings Christmas Home, article by Elizabeth Lee. Christina and Philip Walker from Tin Ryland have just scooped €2,000 for their favourite charity when they came third in Energia Ireland's most Christmassy home, 2021. Energia will donate €2,000 to Make-A-Wish on behalf of Christina and Philip and their neighbours Marion and Richard Matthews after they beat scores of other entrants in the competition. For weeks, droves of families have been driving to the Walker home in Tin Ryland to lap up the festive atmosphere and enjoy the bright lights. This is the second year in a row that the Walker and Matthews families have finished third in the annual Energia competition. Christmas is all about the kids, and this year so many parents brought their sick children out to see our lights. You don't really realise the work that Make-A-Wish Foundation do for these families, so we picked them as our charity this year, said Christina. The people of County Carlow and beyond have been so generous in donating to Make-A-Wish. We've had visitors from all over, including Cork, Monaghan and even people from Thailand and Malta, she continued. This is what it's all about, making memories. They said that they were thrilled with the generosity of people donating to Make-A-Wish when they visit the Christmas lights and will present the charity with that money in January when the festive season is over. Over the past six years of the nationwide competition to find the country's most festive home, the total donated to charities by Energia on behalf of the winners has grown to €48,000. In addition to the charitable donation, Energia has also gifted each of the finalists a €500 smart home store voucher. Sean and Noreen McSweeney from Drimaleague, County Cork, have been crowned champions for 2021, while Tony Fitzpatrick from Wexford finished in second place. Bagnallstown Play School's donation showed true meaning of Christmas. Article by Suzanne Pender. The wonderful act of giving generated lots of excitement among children in Bagnallstown last week as they generously donated to the charity Bernardo's. Play and Learn Child Care and Education organised a collection for the charity just in time for Christmas with everything from toys to fluffy pyjamas, blankets and delicious treats kindly donated by local families. It was fantastic. People were so generous, said Elaine Bowden, manager of Play and Learn Child Care and Education. We gave parents a letter in each of our rooms, our minis room, two preschool rooms and our after school, explaining what we were doing. We then had three Christmas trees and tags on each of them saying two-year-old boy or girl aged five. So the children picked a tag and then bought something for that child, explained Elaine. The children were really excited about it. It was a meaningful experience for them and really highlighted giving, said Elaine. Bernardo's collected the Child Care's wonderful donations last week with all the gifts distributed among needy and vulnerable families in time for Christmas. Lace Project was a stitch in time. Article by Elizabeth Lee. An exhibition of lace-making was launched in the historic Burris House recently, 174 years after Lady Harriet Kavanagh first introduced the craft to the village as a way for local women to make some money. But rather than it being a money-making enterprise this time around, the Lace on Show was a result of a community-wide arts project that aimed to connect older people with one another. 
The Burris Lace by Post exhibition was the result of six months' work by a group of participants who learned how to make lace by proxy, following instructions posted out to them every month by two artists, Ali Nolan and Jules Michael. Ali and Jules put together craft packs filled with all the items needed for the participants to learn how to make the intricate and delicate lace pieces. 74-year-old Annette Reddy was one of the women who took part in the project. Although she's a skilled craftsperson, she had never tried to make lace before, but was nevertheless up to the challenge. Inside the packages were pencils and rubbers, needles and threads, and stenciled fabrics so the women could learn the intricate craft step by step. The book also included a book of patterns and an instruction book. Every month we'd get a package in the post, which was lovely because we rarely get anything nice in the post nowadays, do we? said Annette. The envelopes were beautiful with designs drawn on them and then tied up with lace and sealing wax. It was like getting a present every month. They were gorgeous. I love all sorts of crafts, and when I saw the Boris Lace by Post advertised in The Nationalist, I thought I'd give it a go, said Annette. It was quite the challenge, because lace making is so intricate, and my fingers are not as nimble as they used to be. Lace making is at another level, but it was lovely to do because it's so mindful. It's very engaging, so you have to concentrate a lot on it. You could get lost in it, she added. Jules, one of the artists who coordinated the project, said that the key was to make the complicated art of lace making to be a joyful and connective experience. When I was asked to get involved, I thought that it was a leap into the unknown. I didn't know how to make lace, but I knew that we could find a way to make it work. It was very difficult at first because we weren't meeting the people involved. Everything was done by post, said Jules. Ali and I decided that it was about stitching and time and connecting with people, so we hand-stitched the instruction booklets together and hand-illustrated the covers. The whole thing was a process, and we wanted to make the packs beautiful and individual to each of the women taking part. We put a lot of care and thought into the packages because we wanted them, the women, to feel special and unique. The two artists collaborated very closely with the Boris Lacemakers group, a club that was set up five years ago to keep their local heritage craft alive. Bridget O'Regan and Helena McAteer from the group got involved by making an instructive video, while they also helped the artists pick the patterns used in the project. We knew that we had to go back to the very beginning of Burris Lace, back to the designs when it was first made. We went to Burris House and used the original house samples, Samples that would have been used by the women who originally made the lace. So that was cool, explained Jules. Boris Lace was the brainchild of Lady Harriet Kavna of Boris House, when she set up lace making as a cottage industry 174 years ago. She had been travelling in Europe and saw how Italian women could make a living by making lace. With the famine looming, the lady of the manor decided that the women of the village could make lace and thus have some money coming into the homes. At one stage, about 100 women in the Boris area made lace, and their products were in demand all across Ireland, Britain and in Europe. The industry died because of industrialisation, but thanks to the work of the Boris Lace Makers Group and now the Boris Lace by Post Project, the heritage craft is being kept alive. 
Local woman, broadcaster and journalist Olivia O'Leary launched the exhibition in Burris House that showcased the lace that had been painstakingly made over the past six months. Among the visitors to the exhibition were residents of Burris Nursing Home who took part in the project. Annette Reddy was also among the guests there. It was very exciting to think that other women were doing this and that you didn't necessarily know who they were. It was lovely to go to Burris House to see the exhibition and see all the faces. The whole thing was really enjoyable. I loved it, said Annette. The project was developed by the Arts Office of Carlow County Council and funded by Creative Ireland Carlow. Carlow Voices hit all the right notes at Outdoor Festive Gig. Article by Suzanne Pender. Christmas cheer was in plentiful supply outside Visual last week as the local choir, Carlo Voices, took to the great outdoors for a long overdue performance. The outdoor event was part of the hugely successful Carlo Live and Local Music Festival, giving artists and performers the opportunity to take to the stage in a way that has been greatly hampered by the pandemic. Carlo Voices performed a wonderful selection from the uplifting piece The Prayer to the iconic Christmas favourite, O Holy Night. Other memorable pieces included Mozart's Ave Verum Corpus and California Dreamin' by the Mamas and Papas. Wonderful solo performances from Avian Foley, Paddy Rafter and Eilish Eagers added enormously, while an impromptu request from the crowd even saw a joyful rendition of Jingle Bells. Carlo Voice's musical director is the internationally renowned concert violinist and chamber musician Patrick Rafter, while the choir was accompanied on piano by Patrick's mother Maura. Staff at Visual also pulled out all the stops to ensure a wonderful Christmas atmosphere, with their mince pies and mulled wine going down a treat. A terrific crowd gathered in the grounds outside Visual to listen to the choir, including Cahirlock of Carlo County Council, Councillor Finton Phelan. All wrapped up well and happy to enjoy a very safe outdoor event, the choir very much appreciated the enthusiastic support. It was a busy weekend for Carlo Voices, who also took part in Kilkenny Yule Fest on Sunday the 19th of December. Once again, a very appreciative audience enjoyed their performance, with the choir also relishing the opportunity. <laughs> 